Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. Bible, if you turn to the book of Joshua, and uh, Joshua you'll find about, um, I don't know, one-fifth of the way through the Bible, if you start from the left, and uh, you'll get Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, um, and uh, it's, it's a really exciting book. It's an exciting book about battles and uh, territory being taken and God showing up and miracles happening. And we, we've got to the third part, the, the end part of a sermon series that we called Fire, Feast, and Frontiers, because we like Fs. And, uh, and Frontiers, we're going to talk about taking territory, making a difference, getting out there, using the things that God has given to us. And I guess you would probably think that this would be my favorite talk to, to give. And, and you might be right, um, but I have some challenges in this as well. This whole series is predicated on the understanding that God has an agenda for our lives. He says, my, my ambition for you is we. That's what I'm after. I'm after a relationship with you. That's why I made you. That's why I created you. That's why I gave you the, the, the character I gave you. That's why I sent my son Jesus. I'm after a relationship with you. My ambition for you is we. And, and, and my, my plan, my, my goal for this world is, is them. That's what my goal is. It's it's not just for this, it's for everybody. It's that everyone would understand that there is a God in heaven who loves them and has an incredible plan for their lives. That's my ambition. And my strategy is us. My strategy is us. I don't have any other strategy than communities of faith who evidence in in, in incredibly dynamic and, and loving ways and beautiful ways what the kingdom of God is really about, what the love of God is really about, what the heart of God really is. I don't have any other strategy. I haven't got a plan B. This is my plan, that you get forged in the fire, that you gather around the feast, and that you take frontiers. That, that's, that's my plan. And you would think, I've been, I've been traveling around the country this, this summer with a message in my heart about encouraging courage and emboldening bold. This idea that says, you know, most of us know exactly what we should do, we just don't have the courage to do it. Most of us know what we should do with our lives, but we're too fearful to step into some of that stuff. And so I've been talking a whole lot about courage, but I need courage. Probably this whole sermon is a sermon to me that you just get to listen into. Because I need courage. I was in um, Southern Ireland today, well, this morning I was there, and I was there at a, a, a wedding this weekend. Nikki and I flew to Cork, and then we drove an hour and a half to a place called Baltimore, um, and, uh, and then we did this, did this wedding, and uh, uh, the Catholic priest who was doing the wedding was delightful. He said, to be sure, he said, what do I know about weddings and marriages and kids and family? why don't you just do the talk? It'll be great. 
And he went on and on and on. He could talk the hind legs of a, of a donkey. And he just kept on and on and on talking like this stuff. And then we got to the reception. And at the reception, we were sitting around a table. And one of the older ladies who was serving us, I'd just done the grace in the kind of irreverent way that I do graces. I never asked me to do grace at your wedding. Uh, you know, I'd say something usually totally irreverent. And, and I said something. We said grace. Everyone was starving. I always mention that. Lord, we're starving. <laughs> and, and, and this lady comes to me and says, to be sure, you, you're a rubbish priest. <laughs> you are a rubbish priest, <laughs> she said. And uh, I laughed about it. We had a joke about it. I told everyone because I needed a story to tell. And, uh, but you know what? Actually, I sometimes, and even then, take that to heart. I think, actually, I, might, I probably am a rubbish priest. I probably am not very, I'm not very good. I mean, all of you who've been led by me over, over many years would tell each other of the things I don't do very well and the things that I'm not normal like most pastors. I don't do these things. I don't visit this stuff. I forget things. I don't reply to texts or emails. You know, I'm just not good. There's a whole bunch of reasons. And, and the danger for me is that I just get kind of, well, can I really do this job? Can I really do this stuff? And, and, and in this season, it's massive for me. Because I think, I think the Lord is saying to us, you've done really well, this is really good, and I've been doing some incredible things amongst you, and there is a danger that you will settle for what you've got, because what you've got now is pretty cool. You know, I would actually come to this church now. <laughs> there were times, just saying, <laughs> I would come to this church now. I think it's great. But, but, um, but the danger is that I just want to settle for this now and say, well, this is good, this is, this is great, but I know the Lord is saying, I want you to pivot from this point. I don't want you to stay here, I want you to pivot from this point. So everything that you have that is good and of God and, and can be used for transformation, I want you to give it away. I want you to pivot from this point. And there's a whole bunch in me that goes, oh, no. Because I kind of know he wants to shake some stuff and change some stuff and stretch me and challenge me and challenge us. I know some people aren't going to like it and it's going to need courage. It's going to need massive courage. And so that's, that's why I want to talk from Joshua chapter 1. Because Joshua chapter 1, the, the situation is this. The people of Israel are camped on, on, on the banks of the Jordan River and they're looking into the land that God had promised that they would inherit. Interesting thing is, God had promised that they would inherit like 50 or 60 years before that point. And 40 years before this point, the people of Israel had got to the point of being about to cross into the promised land and they backed off because it was going to cost them too much, because they were fearful, because they were concerned about well, what would this mean, or, or we'll just settle for what we've got. And they had lived 40 years wandering in the wilderness, knowing that they were made for something bigger and for something more, but actually they were never willing to be able to take their fear and walk by faith across the Jordan River. And, and then Moses dies. And Moses is kind of the huge figure. He stands head and shoulders above every other Old Testament figure for the people of Israel. He's the man of the law. He's kind of the hero of faith. And he made a few mistakes, but he was massive. He cast this incredible shadow. And then Moses dies. And Joshua gets picked to be the one. Let me read just a few verses. 
After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. See, what had happened is that a whole generation of God's people had died in the desert. They were the almost people. They almost made it to the promised land. They almost got there. They almost walked in their inheritance. They almost made it. How sad to be an almost person. Almost brave. Almost holy. Almost different. Almost taking hold of the things that God has taken hold of us for. They were the the almost people. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and and, and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let me just pray for us and then buckle up. Father, we believe that this is your word. And we as a community of people have known and have tested that this word does something to our hearts, to our minds, and to our lives. So Holy Spirit, would you come? And would you just speak to us? In amongst the noise, would you speak to us? In the gentle way that you do, would you speak to us? Because we will be those who do your will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, very simple message. One passage, one recurring word. Be bold and courageous. Be bold and very courageous. Be bold and courageous. Look, verse 6, verse 9, verse 18. And just in case you weren't sure, verse 7. Be bold and very courageous. Why, Why does God say that to Joshua? I think he says it because he knows we need reminded We need reminded of the fact that it's possible to know about the kingdom of God and the fullness of the reign of God and all the perfections of God and what it's possible for you and I to live in and to only ever observe it from the wrong side of the river. Be bold and very courageous because I wouldn't have you as an almost people. Be bold and very courageous because I've got territory for you to take. Be bold and very courageous because I have dreams that I placed in your hearts that you're supposed to actualize and go for rather than just carry and nurture. Be bold and very courageous. 
Moses is dead. Deuteronomy 34, just before this passage of scripture, we read this about Moses. Check this out. Just in case you think Joshua had a good deal. No prophet had risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. No one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Next verse. The Lord says to Joshua, son of Nun, your shot. <laughs> you know, there's never been anybody who's as good as Moses. There never will be anybody who's as good as Moses. The Lord knew Moses in an intimate way, and the Lord did incredible things through Moses. Now, Joshua, your go. If you ever wanted to say no to God, that will be the moment. So Joshua, he knows he's not Moses. He, he knows this is a promised land. He knows the danger of being an almost people because he's seen a whole generation of people die in the desert walking around, moaning and whinging and complaining and never walking into their inheritance. I don't want to be like that, do you? I don't want to be part of a generation that hangs around the wrong side of the river, clinging on to stuff that belongs that side of the river. When the Lord says there's a land that needs taking, but there's a river, and there might be giants, and there are fortified towns, and Moses never made it, and we've tried this before. No, no, Joshua, be bold and very courageous. What's in your hand? What do you have? What, what do you got? I, I, don't, I don't know what your frontier is, but I suspect you have one. I don't know what the river that you have to cross is, but I suspect there is one. I, I don't know whether there's a relationship that needs dealt with in order that you walk in fullness of relationship in the promised land, but I suspect there might be one. I, I don't know the financial issue that you've got to deal with before you walk in the prosperity of God, but I suspect that you need to work on that. I, I, I don't know that the health challenge that you have before you walk in fullness and wholeness. I, I don't know. But, but I suspect there is a river and there is a frontier that belongs to you. I just know this. The doorway to your destiny lies at the back end of a room called what's in your hand. And that room is only accessed by a thing called courage. That's the best thing I'm gonna say this evening, so take a note. The doorway to your destiny lies at the back end of a room called what's in your hand. And that room is only accessed by a thing called courage. This is really important because there'll be a thousand voices saying don't do it. There'll be a thousand voices saying not for the likes of you. There'll be a thousand voices saying no one else ever achieved this or we've tried to do it this way before or not, you're not the right person or somebody else but you've got God. Joshua, I will be with you. Be bold and very courageous. It's not just to kind of work up some courage. It's not, you know, for the, for, this is not a, a sermon for the Bear grills amongst us who are just going to come on and run, take some territory. You know, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not talking about a bunch of heroes. I'm talking a bunch of, about a bunch of ordinary, fearful people who trust in a powerful able God 
who says, what's in your hand? What's your frontier? What's the river in front of you? Let's take some territory. You've got God. And that's the thing. That, that kind of trumps everything. The presence of God trumps everything. See, the faltering, fearful obedience of the child of God plus the presence of God equals the demonstration of the power of God. The faltering, fearful obedience of the child of God plus the presence of God equals the demonstration of the power of God. This is the thing. You've got God. And you've got God's book. Joshua, you're not Moses, but you've got Moses' God and you've got Moses' book. So don't let this word of God, look at verse 8, don't let it come out of your mouth. Make it present in your mouth and constant in your mind and the authority of your life and take some ground. This, this word of God is, is supposed to be the blueprint for your adventure of faith. This book was never just meant to be a comfort for the afflicted. This book is supposed to be a disturbance, a shaking, a compass, an adventure of faith. This book is going to be a highly frustrating for almost people. If you read this book, the wrong side of the river, it's just going to frustrate you. Because it's just going to show you all the things that you're not walking in, and you're not living in, you're not inheriting, you're not holding on to. But for frontier people, for people who will say, do you know what? I'm scared, I'm fearful, I don't really know, I don't know what the future holds, but I, but I know where I can't be anymore. I can't be the wrong side of the river. I'm going to start wading into the river, I'm going to start taking some territory. This book becomes life. Because this book becomes the blueprint. What's in your hand? This will give you courage. This will stop you taking the temperature of the crowd to assess what virtues are currently in vogue. This, this, will stop, this will stop you taking the temperature of the crowd to see what virtues are currently in vogue. This will say, this is what God says. And this is what God is doing. And these are the plans that God has for your life. And they will change everything. The doorway to your destiny lies at the back end of a room called what's in your hand. And that room is only accessed by courage. See, it's courage that will silence fear. Courage, courage is what happens when you don't let fear tell you what to do. Courage is what happens when you don't let fear say, well, you can't do that, and you can't be this, and you can't do the other thing, and no one will like you if you do that, or I don't, no one expects you to behave in this way. Courage is what happens when you don't let fear tell you what to do, but you let God tell you what to do. It's courage that kills the cynicism that sucks the life out of faith. It courage, it's courage that loosens the grip of control that you carry because you fear so much. People come to faith when you get courage. I think it's the greatest gift the Holy Spirit wants to give to the church today. People come to faith when you get courage. The atmosphere of your workplace gets changed when you get courage. The conversation in your street gets changed when you get courage. The honor you give to people, the lifting of people created in the image of God, it changes when you get courage. The city changes when the people of God get courage because, because they begin to act, actualize everything that God has given to them. 
activate it. What's in your hand? Joshua, be bold and very courageous. Stop looking for what you haven't got or what somebody else got. What's in your hand? It's such an important thing. Because the enemy of God's people will seek to tell you it's not very much. What's in your hand isn't very much. It's not as good as what's in the next person's hand. It's not very effective. It can be easily lost. He will seek to keep you discouraged, delayed, distracted, and afraid. That's his plan. If I can keep you discouraged so you won't have courage, then I win. If I can keep you delayed because you're not going for it right now, then I win. If I can get you distracted, worry about this, that, and the other rather than the thing that I've called you to, then I win. If I can get you afraid, then I can box you in and hide you around the people of God rather than seeding you into the world to make a difference. That's my plan. But God says, be bold and very courageous. I will be with you. And it changes everything. Guys, your frontier might not appear very big to others, but I bet it's huge for you. It might get entered by a course you sign up to, a counselor you go see, a debt you pay back, a forgiveness you offer, a job you accept, a neighbor you finally share faith with, a community that you join, a baptism you agree to, a relationship you finally make official. (laughs) But the question is this, what's in your hand? See, your job is not to be fruitful. That's his job. Your job is to be faithful. And with your faith, he bears fruit. And it changes everything. He promises victory. And he promises territory. And he promises provision. Those are the things that he promises Joshua. He says, if you, if you do this, if you step into the river, if you start taking land, I'm going to have some victory. Because actually, I am the Lord of the angel armies. So that's what I do. He promises territory because the whole earth belongs to the Lord. And he promises provision because he has all the silver and all the gold. And, and if you're anything like me, you're worried that if you go all in, if you, if you say, well, okay, I'm not going to stand this side of the river. I'm going to dip my toe in. I'm going to get waist deep, and I'm going to get over to the other side, and I'm going to start to live the kingdom of God all in. I'm totally all in that, that I won't be able to afford it. And he says, no, 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 no. I got all the silver and gold. I'm with you. And then you think, maybe if I, if I go all in, then I'm, all these battles are going to come against me and I'm going to fight more battles and I'm not going to have the capacity. He says, no, 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 I'm the Lord of the angel armies. I am with you. That's how it works. But you have to be willing to take a frontier. You need to know a few things before we close. First thing is this, battle is inevitable if you're going to have courage. Let's get real. If you, if you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, and you say, I'm going to go for it, and, and, and I'm all in, and, and I really want to follow him, and I'm going to be obedient to what he says, and I'm not going to hang around the wrong side of the Jordan River, and I'm not going to waste my life for 40 years wandering around, then battle is inevitable. Every day in the kingdom of God is a battle. Every day. Every day for you and me is a battle to think right and to act right, 
and to engage and take ground. If you don't take ground, you lose ground. Listen, you can't conquer what you refuse to confront. You can't conquer what you refuse to confront. So when you've got all this stuff in your life and you say, I'm not going to go there, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to deal with this thing and I'm not going to ask those questions and I'm not going to let anybody speak to me about that stuff, you will never conquer that stuff. They will keep you from victory, they'll keep you from territory and they'll keep you from prosperity. For instance, if we as a community don't confront religion, we just permission more and more people to believe that following Jesus is about layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of religious behavior that just keep us from the God who loves us. If, if we as a community don't confront hedonism, you know, the idea that, 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 that it's just about having more pleasure and more fun and more stuff and just, just having at it in life, if we don't confront that, then we just condemn another whole generation to, 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 to live for illusions of glory that keep them from the one whose glory they're supposed to live for. Counterfeit glory. I'll have some of that. And they know it doesn't satisfy, but they just have more and more of the stuff that doesn't satisfy in their lives. If we don't confront the poverty spirit in our nation that says, don't get ahead of yourself, don't get beyond yourself, don't dream big, don't have big ambitions, don't have big plans, don't go for it, who died and made you boss? Shh, sit down, shut up, don't, don't speculate, hold on to stuff, be conservative. If we, if, we, if we don't confront that stuff, we will never walk in the promised land. We'll never run with the dreams that God has placed in our hearts and lives. And we'll never permission our kids to do the same thing. We've got to, that, those things that we don't confront, we can't conquer. And every foothold he has gained in your life, you need to confront. Your, your insecurity will keep you from your destiny. So you need to ask some questions about it. Why do I feel the way I feel? Why do I always judge myself according to everybody else? Why am I always worried? Your, your, your seeking approval will keep you from your destiny. My seeking approval will keep me from my destiny. Me being concerned and worried about what everyone else thinks of me and looking for approval from all the wrong places rather than from, my, than from my heavenly father will keep me from my destiny. Your unhealed heart will keep you from your destiny. You, you can't conquer what you refuse to confront. Guys, every limitation is an invitation into a battle. And every battle is an opportunity for a victory. And every victory carries the potential of legacy. Every limitation is an invitation into a battle. And every battle carries the potential of victory. And every victory is an opportunity for destiny. But those things that you don't confront, you will never conquer. Those limitations that you say, I'm never going to go there. You'll never beat it. And you'll never walk in fullness of life. Battle is inevitable. Second and final thought, because I could just go for hours. See. I'm a rubbish priest. <laughs> change, and, change and loss are part of the deal. You can't take everything with you if you're going to cross from one side of the river to the other side of the river. You just can't. The stuff that you've got to leave behind. There's there, there stuff you have to leave behind. If you're going to walk in a new land, you can't have the stuff of the old land. Moses is dead. You can't take him with you. 
Egypt is behind you and the wilderness is not the call for the people of God. Listen very carefully and listen, listen very carefully because this could go wrong. <laughs> there are things we built and traditions we developed in the desert that don't work in the promised land. There are structures and relationships that were good for yesterday, but they are not good for today and they will kill your tomorrow. There, there are songs and services and, uh, and courses run and structures done that were not fun <laughs> and they were not wrong but they were for yesterday. They're not for today, and they will disable you in walking in the promised land. We don't honor our forefathers by embracing their practices. We honor our forefathers by embracing their principles, and we find new ways to practice their principles in the promised land. And making it more personal, guys, there are some habits in us that if you're going to walk in the promised land, if you're going to take some territory, if you're going to run with the dreams, if you're going to be the person that God's asked you to be, if you're going to fulfill all those things that he's placed in you, there are some habits in all of us that belong to Egypt and they're not for the promised land. And there are some habits in all of us that belong to the desert and will keep us from taking land. And we have to be willing to ask the Lord to shake those things off if we're ever going to walk in victory. Am I making any sense? Give up almost living. Be bold and very courageous. I will be with you. My book will be your guide. My people will be with you too. Forged in the fire. Gathered around the feast, taking the frontier. Can, can you imagine what God wants to do with us? Yeah, can you just, could you just look around and, and see? What, is, what if? Seriously, I mean that. Just look. What, what if? What if we just got really serious about it? What if we said we, we are not going to die in the wilderness? We're going to have a go. We're not going to wander in the wastelands. We're not going to argue and, and bicker about the desert. We're going to take off of the, ourselves some of the practices that we enjoyed in the desert because they weren't bad, they're just not any good for the promised land. We're going to deal with some relationships and we're going to take hold of our courage and we're going to step into the water and it's going to be painful and it will be just little steps at, at first and then it will be bigger ones. Because how many of you know that, that, that your, your bigger destiny is always entered through your smaller destiny? First step, play what's in front of you. Play what's in front of you. Play what's in front of you. Can you imagine what God wants to do? I will give you, check this out as we close. I will give you every place where you set your feet. No one will be able to stand against you. I want you to notice that the land was not so much won as given. I will, I will give you. All you've got to do is put your feet on the ground. Isn't that interesting? It's like God is setting up an open goal for us. It's like he's rounded the final defender, beaten the keeper, and instead of slotting it into the net, he pushes it sideways, not offside, sideways to you. And all you've got to do is put the ball in the goal. They will not be able to stand against you, but you need to stand. 
in the promised land. At work, on the street, with your friends, in the gym, with the counselors, you ask them for money. All you've got to do is stand. All you've got to do is walk the right side of the river. All you've got to do is take courage, live by faith and not by fear. All you've got to do is be faithful and expect him to be fruitful. All the Holy Spirit wants to do with you today is to give you courage to do what you already know what to do. And I'm done. Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. And all over this room, I pray that you would just awaken vision and dreams, callings, anointings, words that you've said before, challenges that you've given. I pray also in this space that you'd point out those habits that belong in the wilderness that are just not for the promised land. And you give us the courage to call them out and to confront them that we might conquer them so that we might have victory. Holy Spirit, would you come? pray, Father, for addictions in this room that distract us and keep us from the deeper things of God. Pray for healing. Thank you, God. Just as we keep our heads bowed, if you, if you um, we don't really do this very often, but if you have an addiction to something and you know you do, and you know it's a distraction, and you'd love to be free of it, healed of it, why don't you stand where you are? This is just me and Jesus, and I would love to pray for you right now. That which is a distraction, bless you. Yes, thank you, God. Thank you, yes. Bless you. One or two more. You know, yes, God. Yes, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, God. So, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come. And I thank you for the courage displayed in my brothers and my sisters. And I pray that because of the blood of Jesus and the stripes of Jesus, and because of the name of Jesus, the eternal healer, I pray that you'd come and bring healing, total healing. That those cravings, those addictions, the things that distract us from the deeper things of God would be gone. And in their place would come a love for Jesus that these guys have never experienced before. 
pray now for freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom and release in the name of Jesus. Let's receive from him. Let him come. I pray for drug addiction. I pray that it will be gone in the name of Jesus. I pray for food addiction. Gone in the name of Jesus. I pray for pornography. Addiction to pornography. Gone in the name of Jesus. Because his name is higher and more powerful. And he wants you free. I ask this in Jesus' name.